Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our journey through Leviticus. Today is chapter 8, and once again, we are walking through the book of Leviticus one chapter at a time, and maybe this is a learning experience for all of us, and that is that if God's Word can be interesting and can be powerful and can make you stop and think in what is arguably one of the most difficult books of the Bible, maybe the most least read, if I can say it that way, books of the Bible— then wow, think about the rest of it. Think about the treasures that are in God's Word. I truly believe the more you dig, the more you find. And so we're given just a very surface level idea of kind of starting into the conversation of the book of Leviticus. And my hope for you is that you'll continue to grow in this. There's a lot of things out there that go much deeper into the first five books of Moses and give you a whole lot more information. This is just a like a Christianity 101, or should I say Leviticus one-on-one that really helps us start the process of diving into it. And today is no different. Today, in the chapter chapter 8 of Leviticus, we're going to be looking at how God wants to keep His nation free by giving us some straightforward rules and also helping us understand how to remain in His favor and how to worship Him properly. This one's going to be all about the priesthood. And there's a lot of symbolism here that we can look forward and we can see how Jesus was going to fulfill all of this. Because we're going to see how it talks about Aaron. And Aaron was Moses' brother, and he was also the first high priest. Now, the way the process would work is you had one of the 12 tribes of Israel called the Levites. And the Levites were in charge of the house of God, the tabernacle, and doing the things that you see uh, in all through all the, these different deals. But then within that, like a lot of the Levites would take care of just keeping the tabernacle you know, operating. They would move the tabernacle because the nation of Israel was a nomadic group of people for those 40 years, and they'd do all that. Well, within the Levites, you had a smaller group of people that were the priests. These were the people that were part of the family of Aaron, and their job was to do the stuff inside the tabernacle, like the different sacrifices and stuff like that. And then within inside that smaller group, you had an even smaller group, which was the, the oldest son of Aaron's family, and these people would be the high priest. And it was one at a time, but then, of course, when one of them would would die, the next one would take over, and the next one would take over. So you have a big group of people that were the Levites, a smaller group of people within that that were the priests, and then the even smaller one at a time, which would be the high priest. And eventually, the high priest would be Jesus, who would come in, and he would be the sacrifice for all of us. And then, of course, rise from the dead, and he is our King of kings and Lord of lords. And so there's so many things, when you look at Aaron, that this was setting up what eventually would be fulfilled by Jesus. And so what's going to happen is we're going to see how Aaron and his sons are ordained into it, like ordination ceremony. The clothing that Aaron would wear, which would eventually, once again, there's so much symbolism about Jesus, anointing the tabernacle and Aaron, and the clothes they would even wear, consecrating the offerings. There's just, there's just a lot here. So what we're going to do, because there's a lot to do, is we're going to read through this, and instead of explaining it and then reading it, we're going to read it and then explain as we go. We're going to try that today. So here we go. Leviticus chapter 8, starting with verse 1. This is about the ordination of the priests. Here we go. Then the Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron and his sons, along with their sacred garments, the anointing oil, the bull for the sin offering, 
the two rams, and the basket of bread made without yeast, and called the entire community of Israel together at the entrance of the tabernacle. Verse 4, So Moses followed the Lord's instructions, and the whole community assembled at the tabernacle entrance. Moses announced to them, This is what the Lord has commanded us to do. So imagine you got Aaron and his sons right there, and then the entire community of Israel. We're talking probably between one and three million people are all there. So they can't all hear it. So some scholars might would say that it was the leaders of all these people. So even with that, you're still talking about a whole lot of people. And Moses is raising his voice and he's saying, this is what God wants us to do. So now verse six says, then he presented Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. He put the official tunic on Aaron and tied the sash around his waist. He dressed him in the robe, placed the ephod on him, and attached the ephod securely with its decorative sash. Then Moses placed the chest piece on Aaron and put the Urim and Thummim inside it. He placed the turban on Aaron's head and attached the gold medallion, the badges of holiness, to the front of the turban, just as the Lord commanded him. Now pause. There's a lot there. And you really would need to look at the book of Exodus where all these things were made so you understand what they are. But to give you a really quick thing, the garments all symbolized different aspects of the holiness of God. The chest piece was made out of gold and it had 12 different gemstones on it that all symbolized one of the tribes of Israel. And the symbolism was that just as Aaron was a representation of God, that these chess pieces was a representation that the nation of Israel was always close to the heart of God. The Urim and Thummim was basically like dice. Like in the Old Testament, they didn't always know what God wanted. And so they would take this and they would throw it. And that was one of the ways that they trusted that God was going to give them wisdom was they trusted that God would be in charge of how the dice fell. Now, the great thing is, is after the Holy Spirit came in Acts 2, you'd never see the church ever using Urim and Thummim again because we don't need chance that God happens to orchestrate. We can ask God directly. But that's actually what they would do a lot of times in the Old Testament. So there's something to kind of think about. So as we move on, you get to see now that he's got all that on him, what happens next? Verse 10, Then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and everything in it, making them holy. He sprinkled the oil on the altar seven times, anointing it with all its utensils, as well as the wash basin and its stand, making them holy. Then he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head, anointing him and making him holy for his work. Next, Moses presented Aaron's sons. He clothed them with their tunics, tied the sashes around them, and put their special head coverings on them, just as the Lord had commanded him. So pause. So the priests, the sons of Aaron, they had their work to do as well, and they had special garments to wear as well because they're representing the people before the Lord. And so there was a very special opportunity they had. All right, verse 14 says this, Then Moses presented the bull for the sin offering. Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the bull's head, and Moses slaughtered it. Moses took some of the blood, and with his finger he put it on the four horns of the altar to purify it. He poured out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Through this process, he made the altar holy by purifying it. Then Moses took all the fat around the internal organs, the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys and the fat around them, and he burned it all on the altar. He took the rest of the bull, including its hide, meat, and dung, and he burned it on a fire outside the camp, just as the Lord had commanded him. Then Moses presented the ram for the burnt offering. Aaron and his sons laid their hand 
on the head, hands on the head of the ram, and Moses slaughtered it. Then Moses took the ram's blood and splattered it against all sides of the altar. Then he cut them, then he cut the ram into pieces, and he burned its head, some of its pieces, and the fat on the altar. After washing the internal organs and the legs with water, Moses burned the entire ram on the altar as a burnt offering. It was a pleasing aroma, a special gift presented to the Lord, just as the Lord commanded him. Then Moses presented the other ram, which was the ram of ordination. Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the ram's head, and Moses slaughtered it. Then Moses took some of his blood and applied it to the lobe of Aaron's right ear, the thumb of his right hand, and the big toe of his right foot. Next, Moses presented Aaron's sons and applied some of the blood to the lobes of their right ears, thumbs of their right hands, and the big toes of their right feet. Then he splattered the rest of the blood against all the sides of the altar. Pause. This is one of the ways that they would say that God was completely sanctifying them for the work of ministry. He put it on their right ear so they would hear the voice of the Lord, on their right hand so they would do the work of the Lord, and on their right foot so that they would walk in the ways of the Lord all their life. Okay, verse 25. Next, Moses took the fat, including the fat of the broad tail, the fat around the internal organs, the long lobe of the liver, and the two kidneys, and the fat around them, along with the right thigh. On top of these, he placed a thin cake of bread made without yeast, a cake of bread mixed with olive oil, and water spread with olive oil. All these were taken from the basket of bread made without yeast that was packed or placed in the Lord's presence. He put all of these in the hands of Aaron and his sons, and he lifted these gifts as a special offering to the Lord. Moses then took all the offerings back from them and burned them on the altar on top of the burnt offering. This was the ordination offering. It was a pleasing aroma, a special gift presented to the Lord. Then Moses took the breast and he lifted it up as a special offering to the Lord. This was Moses' portion of the ram of ordination, just as the Lord had commanded him. All right, finishing it up, verse 30 through 36. Next, Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood that was on the altar. He sprinkled, it on, sprinkled them on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and on their garments. In this way, he made Aaron and his sons and their garments holy. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the remaining meat as an offering of the offerings at the tabernacle entrance and eat it there, along with the bread that is in the basket of offerings for the ordination, just as I have commanded when I said Aaron and his sons will eat it. Any meat or bread that is left over must be burned up. You will not leave the tabernacle entrance for seven days, for that is when the ordination ceremony will be completed. Everything you have done today was commanded by the Lord in order to purify you, making you right with Him. Now stay at the entrance of the tabernacle day and night for seven days and do everything the Lord requires. If you fail to do this, you will die. For this is what the Lord has commanded. So Aaron and his sons did everything the Lord commanded through Moses. Wow. There's a lot going on through that. And I don't know what your overall principle might would be. I have a couple that are interesting to me. Number one is that God really was interested in making sure that the priest knew where they were that they were being chosen by him to do something amazing and something hard. So he was very interested in making sure they knew, hey, this is a big deal. So we're going to do a big ceremony so that you don't realize this is just something normal. This is something special. What also stood out to me is that they had to stay at the entrance of the tabernacle for seven days. 
Now, I'm not entirely sure why that is. There's a lot of scribes have a lot of different ideas. A lot of Orthodox Jews have different ideas. But I do think it's important to realize that there was this moment where they needed to sit in what has happened. They needed to sit around the presence of God, become comfortable with the things of God. The last overall principle that I have is this, and that is that the idea that Moses was called by God to do this really stands out to me. You imagine how easy it would have been for Moses to maybe forget that he was representing God and instead put himself in the place of God. Could have been easy for so many people. Yet the Bible said there was nobody on earth more humble than Moses. Now, humility doesn't mean thinking less of yourself. It just means thinking of yourself less often. And I think the reason why God would choose someone like Moses is because he needed someone who was just willing to get out of the way. Just do what God was calling them to do without taking any of it personally, one way or the other. Just, hey, man, this is what God's called me to do. That's a wonderful lesson for us. The great things that God was able to do through the life of Moses was because Moses never got in his own way once he was called by God to do it. And so a lot of times if we want God to use us in a great way like this, I think one of the greatest examples we could do would be from that of Moses, who didn't think less of himself. He just thought of himself less often and just said, God, this is what you've put for me to do, so I'm going to do it. If it turns out to be great in the eyes of man, wonderful. If it turns out to be simple in the eyes of man, but great in your eyes, that's also wonderful. And if we live our lives like that, we might be surprised how often we get to represent God in front of other people. So I'd like to know from you, what did you get out of this? What was your number one takeaway? Maybe you would like to be you know, in that environment. Maybe you would have hated to be around that environment. But I want to hear about it in the comments below. I'll see you next time for Leviticus chapter 9.